Good morning, Brew Daily Show. I'm Neil Fryman. And I'm still not Toby. On today's show, President Biden wants to crack down on airlines that screw you over when they cancel or delay your flight. And has tipping culture gotten out of control? We're also going to tell you the most trusted and least trusted news organizations and the emerging trend coming out of succession. Spoiler alert, it's not listening to rap music in the back of a taxi cab. Neil, let's ride. All right, so still not Toby is actually Kyle Haggy, who is uh, my colleague at Morning Brew and is filling in for Toby while Toby's on vacation. Correct. Uh, you made your debut yesterday, and I got to say, according to the YouTube commenters, it was a hit. Well, I think, one, we should always listen to YouTube commenters. They're always even keeled. Um, I think I kept my ego in check. The only thing I did differently was I forced the bar I go to after work to play the YouTube video on every TV. Oh, God. Yeah. That, that boosted our numbers. I'm happy about that. <laughs> yeah, so let's see if you uh, you get your sophomore slump going or you mm, can uh, keep it pressure's up. Pressure's on. Pressure is on. Uh, before we get into our news, uh, our main news slate, the real biggest headline of the day uh, is that Biden and House Speaker Kevin McCarthy are about to go into the negotiating room in the White House to try to work out a deal to raise the debt ceiling. The stakes are astronomically high because if they don't raise this cap, when the U.S. the U.S. will default as soon as June 1st, and I'm looking at my calendar now, it's May 9th, so just a few weeks from now. Yeah. If that happens, the economy and markets will tank. So a lot is riding on this negotiation today. What do you think they're eating in there? Ooh, I'm going to go with something very cheap. Yeah, like what? To show their dedication to oh, interesting. not spending. <laughs> I was thinking like a, a particular meal that would get you in the no, nego- like the compromising mood. Mm, they Maybe could like pull a-, a Trump and do a buffet of McDonald's. I like that. Yeah. Show their unity around American <laughs> ideals. All right. Uh. I have some great news for air travelers. Uh, President Biden said he's drafting up new rules that would make airlines help you out more when they cancel or significantly delay your flight because they messed up. Under these new rules, uh, they would need to cover your meals and hotels when they leave you stranded at an airport, which seems a very baseline thing to do. Right. But on top of this, this is a big deal. They might also be required to give you a cash payment on top when they do this. This brings the U.S. This would bring the U.S. more in line with what the EU and Canada do in terms of consumer protections for travelers. Uh, of course, this comes just weeks ahead of what is expected to be a wild summer travel season if they don't the debt ceiling gets raised, <laughs> uh, where passenger no- passenger numbers are actually expected to top pre-pandemic levels this summer. The White House wants to show people that it's on their side uh, ahead of this election season that's coming next year. Right. Yeah, the, there are some interesting stats in this study. The uh, baggage fee revenue for U.S. airlines was $6.7 billion. That also stood out to me. 2% of American Airlines revenue was from bag checking. Yeah. I'm a proud non-bag checker, so I feel like I've like oh my God. let you the airlines down here. on your vacation. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the other thing that stood out, there's more than 30 miles of conveyor belts, an army of 2,000 workers, like really helped you understand just how much effort goes into actually making airports run smoothly. Yeah. It's very impressive. You went deep into baggage. I, I, I got pretty excited about the baggage. <laughs> For someone who doesn't check their bags. But what what was interesting to me is that, you know, Biden made a big deal and Buttigieg, the transportation secretary, made a big deal about this. But many airlines already do this. They offer hotels and stays for and meal vouchers for people that they 
uh, cancel or delay. That's because last summer, the administration released this online dashboard that, that allows people to compare refund and cancellation policies across airlines. So they say that this dashboard just pressured the entire industry to go ahead of the regulation and say, okay, well, we're going to do this. So nine out of the top 10 airlines already cover meal and hotel costs for canceled flights. Can you guess which one is the outlier? Spirit Airlines. No. Oh, wow. Nope. There's another one. In the same vein. Uh, Frontier? Frontier. Oh, that's probably not good for Spirit and Frontier. Those are the first two that come to mind. Yeah, it it does seem like they're just tightening up. The rules are making them more clear to consumers. I do think they need to add one more rule, and that is no standing up until your role is ready to leave the plane. Why are people doing that? It's a long flight. you got to stretch your muscles a little bit. All right, we'll have to agree to disagree there. No clapping at the end of the plane. (laughs) So we're going to move on to the next story, and this is a favorite topic for the media to talk about, and that is itself, (laughs) namely the trust in media. So YouGov did a poll where they actually asked Americans to rank news organizations they trust or distrust, and then they were able to get a net trust rating. And I'm going to give you the top five in ascending order. Forbes at number five. What does ascending mean? We're going from five to one. From five to one. Yes. So Forbes, number five, a big win for the 30 under 30 crowd there. Then Wall Street Journal, the BBC, Public Broadcasting Service, or PBS. Yeah. And finally, number one, the Weather Channel. Let's go. Neil, what's your big takeaway from this report? The one thing that has yet to be politicized in American life is apparently the weather or making fun of meteorologists when they're wrong. But I was surprised by this because I thought the weather had got been politicized. Right. I mean, we have this climate change thing. I bet the I bet Weather Channel is, you know, talking about climate change and documenting it. And I can't and that hasn't pissed anybody off is a little surprising to me. It, it is really interesting. I feel like we should like sneak actual news into the Weather Channel now since they are high trust. Let's, they, let's take advantage of that. I don't know anybody who actually watches the Weather Channel. I think it's on in like car wash places. <laughs> That's the only time maybe, I see. Maybe there's only three people they could survey. So maybe the results were skewed there. I, I did find interesting how wide the gap is between Democrats right. and Republicans. So once we get past the Weather Channel yes. and those top five ones, and then you get into like these ch- news channels, these cable channels, the gap is insane. Right. CNN had a 92 point trust difference between Democrats and Republicans. And I, I do think it is hard to move forward if we don't have any station where you feel like there's a sense of shared trust, which is a bit concerning. Weather Channel. Well, this is why we sneak news into the Weather Channel. I also think the big winner from this was also LinkedIn influencers. Okay, why? Because LinkedIn had the only net positive trust rating of all social media platforms. So LinkedIn is back. The cringe crowds out the misinformation. The cringe crowds out the misinformation. Yeah, everyone's just super accurate about posting their wins, and it may be really annoying to read, but they're not actually lying except George Santos's LinkedIn. <laughs> TikTok, of that study, TikTok was the least trusted of any of the social media platforms with a net negative 36 score. Another uh, few takeaways was, was that Republicans do not trust any media, even right-leaning media. So Republicans trust InfoWars as much as C-SPAN. And C-SPAN just shows footage of Congress, like a live feed. And uh, Democrats trust OAN, which is this far-right news source, uh, more than Republicans trust CNN. So you just have Democrats trusting, like, anything they watch on TV. It doesn't matter the channel for the most part. Mm -hmm. And then Republicans not trusting anything that they read or watch. Um, And, yeah, you're you're right. That's creating this, like, very stark divide about what truth, you know, what we, we see as truth and what we take as news, uh, but 
Go ahead. I was just saying there was something that was really heartwarming is that Morning Brew had a hundred trust rating across the board for everyone. Yes, I did see that because they didn't sample us. <laughs> I, I would like it for us to be included in this yeah. one day. You gov, if you're watching, email uh, Neil. All right, so I feel like we'd be close to the top, right? I mean, we're pretty fair and neutral on this on this uh, podcast, and I think we are in the <laughs> newsletter too. Agreed. Um, but both, so CNN obviously ninety two percent. Uh, rating difference between yep. uh, Republicans and Democrats is trying to restore trust. It fired uh, Don Lemon, who is a controversial host. And this is how you restore trust. One person, Charles Barkley. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, so they're bringing in Charles Barkley and Gail King to host a, quote, non-political primetime show on Wednesdays every week. So as part of CNN's kind of rebrand away, the, the C, there's a new CEO in town. He said, I know that nobody trusts us. Like, we have to restore trust. So Charles Barkley is going to do a lot of the heavy lifting there. That show is going to get ratings that are incredible. And I do feel like if NBA on TNT just became a new show, it'll also do amazing. Maybe. And Fox obviously has major trust issues of their own. They just had to pay $780 million in a defamation lawsuit, and they fired their biggest star, uh, Tucker Carlson. So it is always interesting to see how people view news sources. Um, Morning Brew, we just have to go anecdotally. <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, in these post-pandemic times, and I can say that because the World Health Organization actually said the pandemic over. was over, uh, one of the biggest debates is over tipping culture and whether that has gotten out of hand. Sometimes you're prompted to pay 25%, 30%, and you're, when you're just grabbing takeout for lunch. This might take it to a whole new level, what I read yesterday. The Wall Street Journal reported that self-checkout machines at airports, stadiums, and cafes are prompting people to tip at least 20%. So customers are saying, this is hilarious. I'm being asked to tip, but I have no idea who I'm tipping because no humans provided me a service because this is a self-checkout kiosk. Plus, you as a company are deliberately not paying workers by replacing them with self-checkout right. kiosks. So this is a double whammy. But there's this certain level of guilt about not tipping. So the people, the customers who saw this told the Wall Street Journal that these prompts amounted to emotional blackmail. Yeah, I mean, there's Have you no seen these? There, yes, there's nothing really? worse than when you're in a long line <laughs> and everyone's watching you and you have to click no tip. And everyone behind you is like, oh, really? You're the no-tip yeah. guy? That's emotional blackmail right there. Even if yeah. nobody, no human actually did anything for you. You well, just grabbed a soda from the... Right. It's a way, I mean, it makes sense. Like, it is a way to make more money. But I do think eventually we're just going to get fed up with it. And I'm yeah. interested to see what happens there. The worst part is when it's, like, impossible to get to the no-tip screen. <laughs> it, like, gives you three options. And you have to do a custom. You have to type in zero. It's like, are you sure? Are you really yeah. sure? It's pretty bad. It seems that we're all a little primed more to tip after the pandemic when service workers were on the front lines and going into work and doing all these things when other people were able to stay home. And there was this culture of we should tip a little bit more. We should be a little more generous. And I think companies are kind of taking advantage of that right now to put things like this. Right. Because they're like, oh, people are primed to pay more. We don't have to pay our workers as much. We can just kind of put the burden on the customer the consumers and the customers right. to, you know, pay our workers a living wage. So uh, there's this vibe that's going on that companies are definitely taking advantage of and no one benefits here. Agreed. It would be nice to have some insight on where the tips are actually going and who yeah. is relying on tips for 
their actual living wage because then I would be much more incentivized to tip. I feel like tipping is a big deal now because it's not just a jar anymore. You have these iPads or the point of sale, point of sale software that makes the, so, the question so much easier to ask and harder to avoid than putting out a jar or something. Like you literally need to say no to a tip to complete the transaction. It's part of the workflow yep. of you completing a transaction. So. It just reminded me of the, what, that Seinfeld episode. Have you seen that one? Oh, where he takes back the tip. Yeah. Oh, it's a classic. <laughs> For anyone that doesn't see it, George uh, Costanza puts in a tip, but the guy wasn't to the jar, but the guy wasn't watching. So he's like, well, what's the point of me putting in the tip? I need the validation of this worker seeing me do it. Yeah. And so, uh, of course, when he's taking it out of the jar, <laughs> the guy turns around and they get into a bit of a fight. With these tipping screens, we couldn't... R- remake that Seinfeld episode, no. which is, it, it's pretty bad. All right, uh, we will get into our next story yes. after this break. All right, Neil, I have some breaking news for you, and that is apparently some people are watching Succession, not just for Cousin Greg. Hmm. And they're watching actually for the clothes, but they're not Gucci, they're not Chanel, they're not Prada. It is a term I didn't know until one hour ago, and that is quiet luxury. <laughs> uh, these are understated luxury pieces with uh, really premium quality, but they're free of labels. Right. And there's actually some interesting statistics to back this up. Uh, luxury items with logos have declined 18% year over year. Hmm. And there's been 1.4 billion views for stealth wealth meaning. Stealth wealth. On Google search, which yeah. I love that uh, uh, branding. I think we finally found a term for your style. I think so. People have said I should go for this dark academia look, which I think is very similar, which is maybe just like the poor person version of, uh, of uh, what was this? Quiet luxury. Quiet is that luxury. what it's called? Yes. No, but I think, first of all, I'm just, my, my style is simply quiet. <laughs> there's, there's nothing. I'm wearing, a, I wear morning brew sweatshirts every day. But this was interesting to me because it seems like this has been kind of under the surface for a while. Uh, it's very old money, right? Like you don't need to show off your wealth and the people in succession are old money. They come from a family dynasty, a media dynasty. And, you know, they are just going to be investing in like $1,300 Tom Ford hoodies. It's, People are trying to say this like represents our time, right? Like inflate inflation and people mm-hmm. are pulling back. No, they're, still, I, they're still expensive. Yeah, I know they're still uh, expensive. Uh, I was so confused. I think it's like as more people get Gucci and Chanel, it's become a little more accessible. I think it doesn't signal what it used to signal. Right. And it's also about who you're signaling to. And I think with quiet luxury, you you kind of have to know the brands. So you're signaling to another, you know, elite rich person sure. that you're on their level. So I, I still think luxury is about signaling. I see what you're wearing. Yeah, You're signaling it's, to me that uh, it target. is Target. Yes, <laughs> I can tell. So, Neil, I have an interesting quiz for you. Okay. To, to really test if you are a quiet luxury guy or not, I'm going to give you five names, and you're going to tell me if they're quiet luxury or one of my hometown teachers. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. Number one, Landvin. Landvin? Like Mr. L- Mrs. Landvin? Correct. Ah, sounds quite luxury to me. That's quite luxury. Ding, yeah. ding, ding. One for one. Number two, Canali. Canali. I am wearing some Canali underwear right now, so it's quite under, quite luxury. Wow, quiet luxury and dark academia over there. Incredible. Third, Kinch. <laughs> uh, Mr. Kinch was your ninth grade biology teacher. First grade homeroom, but <laughs> okay. close. Pogachnik. <laughs> Pogachnik. 
Uh, I am, I was looking at some kabachnik earlier this weekend, but it just wasn't the right cut for me. That The, the shirt was a little too deep, so yeah. I decided not to, but it is quiet luxury. It is actually ninth grade social studies. Oh, no. And the last one, Mackage. I, I don't think you're pronouncing that right. If it is a <laughs> if it is a uh, quiet luxury brand, but we'll say it's it's a luxury brand. It's quiet luxury. Yeah, four for five, not bad. Wait, how do you spell that? Mackage. Yeah, like package with an M. Oh really? It's probably macage. I was yeah, I was thinking like French macage, but yeah. maybe not. Or like you don't pronounce the last few letters because it's French. Yeah. Anyway, so quiet luxury. That was a great quiz. Thank you. Uh, what did I do? Three out of four to five. Four to five. Quiet Luxury uh, has been around. It's not a succession thing. It has been around a lot of another instance where people were talking about it was in the Gwyneth Paltrow trial yeah. uh, when she was wearing all that ski stuff, like a Park City uh, mom outfit. Um, but the other big trend that's been influenced by a TV show is this Yellowstone uh, cowboy fits that have been going around Brooklyn. Everyone's dressing in, uh, you know, belt buckles and boots and these jeans and flannel. So what is your what is your preferred style, do you think? Are you more of a quiet luxury guy or a Yellowstone urban cowboy? I'm actually going to pick a third option, and that is Normcore, inspired by <laughs> Seinfeld. Okay. That's that's my style. But if I had to go Yellowstone or Succession, I think I'm going Yellowstone. It feels a little more practical. Right. In case the apocalypse comes, you're ready to hop on a horse right. and get out of here. And you're a big sky guy. I am a big so sky you, guy. So it would be like a little more authentic. Yeah, we could say that. Yeah. Yeah. You're from Minnesota. You're a big sky. You're, you're just a visitor here in New York. Exactly. Um, all right. Moving on. Uh, Mr. Beast has done it again. He's been super controversial. That's what I mean by that. Uh, the biggest YouTube star in the world, whose name is Jimmy Donaldson, released another provocative video that's racked up 37 million views and just as many hot takes. In this video, he pays for people who are deaf to get new hearing aids that can help them hear, which appears like a very charitable thing to do to buy, some, buy someone as wealthy as he is, and he's about to become a billionaire. But it's the way he went about it that has many people calling it inspiration porn. So start Starting with the thumbnail, if you just look at the thumbnail here, it shows a smiling Mr. Beast looking like he's God with his hand on the shoulder of this kid who is crying tears of happiness and cupping his ear like he can hear for the first time. Plus, according to a deaf person who wrote an article in The Independent, I read, uh, it's more complicated than giving someone a hearing aid or a cochlear implant and they can all of a sudden hear again. It doesn't exactly work like that. Mm -hmm. They don't all work for everyone. You have to change them out. And some deaf people want to simply communicate through sign language. So it's this choice. So this isn't the first time that Mr. Beast has done something like this and caught praise and heat from both directions. He divided people back in January when he helped a thousand people, blind people, uh, a thousand blind people see again for the first time. Yes. Um, what do you, do you have I, any? I, I don't have a good take besides yeah. like, I, I don't know enough about the deaf or blind community right. to say, to have some sort of perception. Sure. But I will say the delta between how many times I've wanted to think about Mr. Beast and been forced to think about Mr. Beast is so, this man force, is like, man. if viral became a person, he yeah. is a retweet in human form and you cannot escape him. No, but he raises questions, right? Like he has us talking. I'm sure a lot of people who hear us now are going to, you know, go to their coworkers and talk about whether what Mr. Beast is doing is ethical. I mean, Elon Musk thinks he, what he's doing is ethical. He's like, people definitely shouldn't be attacked for doing good. This is definitely a, a very loud strain of people who look at what Mr. Beast is doing and say, God, how are you criticizing him for 
perform like paying three million dollars out of your own pocket to help a thousand people here again, which right. is you know, almost a miracle. Um, and so you have that strain of people, and then you have the other strain where it's like, sure, like he's what he's doing is good, but he's doing this in the completely the wrong way. Like, look at the you know, attention he's drawing to himself by the objectification of disabled people. So I know you're not thinking about him, but I think he raises really interesting questions about what it means to be a social media star, to have a lot of money and what you should do with that money, the state of our healthcare system. Right. And like, do the ends justify the means? What yeah. is the actual outcome? It, it is a really interesting case study. And he also does these, you know, $50,000 giveaways right. to audience members. So he has taken marketing and, and done some new Crazy. things to it. And I do think that there's some controversy and probably some upside as well to what he's doing. I think he's like 26 years old or something. 25. Yeah, he does he's just dumb. need to get his YouTube views up to match us. But besides that, he's doing okay. Yeah. Come on, Mr. Beast. Get at our level. All right. Our final story is, uh, we'll do this quickly, but an Australian woman was found after five days of being stranded in the bush near Melbourne. Pronounce that right, Melbourne. Well done. She survived. That's a luxury brand, right? Yeah. <laughs> and she survived on one thing, a bottle of wine. She was on this day hike and her car got stuck in an area without cell service, so she couldn't call for help. After she ran out of snacks and water, a bottle of wine that she had intended for her mom was the only thing she had left. So it's a crazy story, but she must have been pretty bored, though. <laughs> Well done, Neil. Uh, this actually surprised me that this was news because surviving on wine for five days sounds like college to me. <laughs> Apparently there were also lollipops too, which so, also sounds like college. Neil, if you had to pick a non-water drink and a candy to survive on for five uh, days, what, what are you going What if the with? non-water drink was a candy? Oh, no. You said a non-water drink. Non-water drink and a candy to survive five yeah, days. Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely wine. Wine? What's because it would choice? get you drunk to like th not think about your current predicament, and I like the taste. But uh, it would have to be chilled. There's <laughs> <laughs> a man of high like red wine just sitting out sounds disgusting. Yeah. Well, maybe this will become a trend where you candy. go into the woods, non-alcoholic drink and a candy, try to survive. I don't love candy. Uh, I my favorite food is probably chocolate ice cream. Mm. It's creamy. <laughs> so good. It does sound you? quite appealing. Uh, I'd probably go with uh, orange wine. It's already kind of funky. Oh, like God. I'm I'm going out with that. And then I'd rather. Starved and then I think Reese's peanut butter cups. Yeah, some protein that would make you butter. so thirsty You'd chug all the red <laughs> wine or the orange wine But there are a few other instances of people surviving on unconventional diets some funny stories There was a sailor from Dominica who made it through 24 days on at sea with nothing but a bottle of Fill-in-the-blank uh, Gatorade ketchup Oh my Ketchup. god, that sounds like a Minnesota diet. Yeah, and then Heinz turned it into this marketing thing after, <laughs> obviously, like they gave him a new bow, they tracked yeah. him down. Mr. Beast might have been behind that too. Alright, here's another one. Two, fill in the blank. Okay. I just turned this into a fill in the All blank. Right. Two women vanished for four days in Maine's icy wilderness after, and they were found. All they had left there was a half-empty bottle of frozen solid... Celsius energy drink. <laughs> no, but kind of close. Red Bull? Mountain Dew. Mountain Dew. Great choice. Yeah, but general, I wouldn't have wine on you. It's a diuretic and it causes a lot of dehydration. Mountain Dew, frozen Mountain Dew sounds 
incredible. That should have been my answer. All right, Kyle. So- sophomore slump did not happen today, I have to I'm, say. I'm glad you feel that way. Yes, that is our show. Um, I'm just this veteran here. Uh, it is Tuesday. Hopefully they work out a debt ceiling deal. No, absolutely no fingers crossed. I think yes. it'll take a while. Uh, please email us at morningbrewdaily at morningbrew.com. It's always great to hear from you. And always uh, a big shout out to everyone who makes this show possible. Uh, producer and editor is Emily Milliron. Our technical director is Yuchenna Waogu. Samantha Velas and Raymond Liu are our, our why did I say our our, 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 our <laughs> associate producers. Billy Menino is on audio. Hair and makeup was placed on leave because this show was way behind on the quiet luxury brand trend. And that is not okay. Devin Emery is our chief content officer. Our show is a production of Morning Brew. Hell yeah. Have a great day, everyone. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs>